Welcome to the Expeditioners Podcast, where we speak with the folks who are leading the way in IT and security. I'm your host, Zach Wasserman, CTO of Fleet and co-creator of OS Query. Now, on with the expedition. Hello and welcome to the show. Today, we've got Huxley Barbie, who's a security evangelist at Run Zero, formerly Rumble. Some folks may know it by that name. Glad to have you on the show, Huxley. Thank you for having me, Zach. Awesome. Well, Huxley, uh, as you know, we often start this show with getting a bit of background on how folks ended up where they are today. And I know that you have a, a long and interesting history in the security industry. Uh, so I'd love to hear kind of a, a, a short telling of your story. Long, yes. Interesting. I'm not really sure, uh, but I, I will indulge you. Uh, so when I when I think back on my career, I think there've been like five phases of it. And by career, I, I even include like doing security things as a hobby, you know, back when you're a teenager. So uh, there's that first period where it was just like a lot of tinkering around at uh, the school's Unix systems and, and things like this. Yeah. And doing things that may not, uh, may not have been okay for me to do, but uh, laws are different. We're out the of the statute of limitations now, hopefully <laughs> right. as well. Yeah. Uh, then the second phase is when I started doing security work more professionally. And here I did a lot of deployments, uh, firewalls, uh, secure email gateways, uh, web proxies, and so on and so forth. Also some assessment type work as well. Uh, things along those lines. Alongside of this is a third part of my career where I was just a, a full-time software engineer for, for many, many years. And that's, you know, there was a time where like, Software engineering was was sort of looked down upon by security practitioners, and that's 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 totally changed over the decades. And there's like a fourth part of my career, which is where I was able to bring the software engineering and the security piece together. I was at a um, a Cisco Systems where I led a security practice where we were dedicated to automating security operations and incident response playbooks. And then finally, I'm in like the fifth phase of my career, I feel like, where I've uh, come over to the go-to-market side, but it's also still evolving, right? So this this security evangelist role is very new to me, and I'm, and I'm trying it out and seeing what it's like, and, and um, I'm really enjoying the part where I'm able to give back to the community, you know, having gathered... Uh, all this experience and knowledge over the last couple of decades and then being able to share that back with everybody else and, and um, you know, just making the industry uh, a better place for those who are, who are new to it. Totally. And that's awesome, Huxley. And, and I know, speaking of community, you are one of the organizers of B-Sides NYC, and we'll, we'll come back to that at the end and very curious to hear more about that. So, so that's, to me, it is an interesting story and I love to hear you break, break it down into the phases and to think about all these diverse ways in which you've interacted with this industry. Um, and I think that that probably helps you bring some really cool perspectives to the evangelism that you're doing now. So uh, for folks who don't know about Run Zero, can you just kind of give a, a summary of what it's all about? Yeah, so Run Zero is, a, a, the marketing calls it a chasm solution, a cyber asset attack surface management solution. And what it really is, is, is the, the very first step that any organization needs to leverage in order 
to uh, do security risk management. And this is done by helping organizations understand their exposures through comprehensive security visibility, which I'm sure is a lot of words that <laughs> requires a lot of explanation for, for most folks. Um, but I'll pause there if, if you want me to get into to it some more. Yeah, so to my understanding, it, it's kind of about you need to know what you've got in your organization, in your environments, in your infrastructure. And Run Zero helps you figure out what's there and where the risks are. Does that sound aligned? Yeah, you know, there's like a, a, a battle on social media right now about that, that mantra that you can't protect what you don't know. And it, it is true. Technically, you don't need to know every single detail about what you have in order to protect it. Because at least back in the old days of perimeter security, right, we just threw a firewall in front of the, the LAN and then you're good to go. You didn't really know what you had on the network. I think more and more it is becoming true. Like the more details you have about the endpoints on your network, the more likely you're going to have a, a better defense. And the, the Run Zero solution is able to help you identify with a great degree of detail and granularity all the devices that are on your networks. Doesn't matter what the device type it might be. It could be an IT device, an IoT device, or an OT device even. And it doesn't matter where that device is. It could be in the cloud, it could be on premise, it could be in your remote employees' homes, and it, or in your factories, and so on and so forth. That's the type of thing that we mean when we mean comprehensive security visibility. And I mentioned before the granularity, right? The depth, right? So when we talk about an asset, it's any compute device plus all the details that the security team cares about, right? So that would be the hardware, right? So not just operating system, like not just, oh, this is a Linux box, but the hardware, like is it an IP camera? Is it a network attached storage? Right? The software, the services, meaning like, you know, the ports that are being listened to and so on and so forth. Uh, but not just those things, right? Also the, the vulnerabilities that are on the device, the insecure configurations on the device, and also identities associated with the device, like who's the, the user that's using the device or the person that quote unquote owns the device to, to help with remediation. And finally, security controls. Like, you know, do you have EDR running on as many endpoints as possible? Is your phone scanner covering everything that you care about? You know, is your uh, network segmentation appropriate for your organization or are there violations for segmentation? Things along those lines. So those are all the details that we think are important to security teams and details that they can use, especially from an exposure management perspective, to, to do their jobs well and improve the, the defensive posture for the organization. And am I interpreting correctly that you do a lot of this work from the network and the control planes, essentially, like, like in the cloud, the control planes, and and in general over the network and and, and network-based scanning? Yeah, so it's a, a multi-pronged approach for figuring out what you have on the network. So one is we have a lot of API integrations with all multiple solutions in your tech stack, right? In fact, I mean, this is one of the few ways that you can actually find out like, you know, what's in your cloud or 
devices that are disconnected from the network, right? So remote employees, they're not on your network. You can't scan into their houses. I mean, you could, but if you, there's some major privacy issues with doing that, right? So API integrations is one methodology or one data source for this type of cyber asset inventory. Uh, another way is with, and this is this is why people know about Rumble, right? well, most people know about Rumble, it's uh, Run Zero, formerly known as Rumble, is the unauthenticated active scanner, right? Uh, this is basically a way of going out into the network without any credentials, finding out all the details you need about a device and doing it from the perspective essentially of a pen tester to gather all the information you need, oftentimes through leaked, uh, leaked sources on that device to identify what that is. And many folks are very, very surprised at how well we can fingerprint devices and how much granularity we have about those devices, even though we don't have credentials. And there's a third methodology for learning about devices on your network. And this was only introduced last September and was primarily introduced to help organizations that have very limited scan windows or they have environments that have quote unquote fragile devices, primarily you know, OT and ICS environments. And th these types of environments oftentimes, you know, by, by policy or just uh, by the type of devices, they don't want to do active scanning. And so we have a passive traffic sampling capability that allows folks to learn about those type of devices without ever touching them. And it's not a full-on passive network monitor, or I should say a legacy passive network monitor where you require a bunch of beefy hardware appliances to collect all the network data. Instead, it reused the same uh, software package uh, that we use for the, the scanner, and it samples the traffic in order to uh, build an asset inventory. Oh, that's, re that's really cool to think about all of the different sources that you're putting together to gather the data uh, about the systems. And I heard you talking about the network, and I'm thinking about you know your long career in, in security, and you did mention a bit the way that the proverbial network has, has changed and evolved, I think, especially in the last few years since COVID and uh, work from home exploding and the hybrid workforce kind of becoming the norm. I wonder if if you have any reflections on the way that those uh, evolutions in how we work have changed the, the requirements or challenges for security teams. Oh, it, it's, it's, it's definitely gotten a lot harder, right? This uh, quote-unquote de-perimeterization uh, is... is just made things more complicated. Back in the day, all you had to do was protect what was in the office, right? And when you had this concrete perimeter, uh, like I mentioned before, you just throw up a, a firewall at a particular choke point, and you're good to go. You didn't even necessarily need to know everything that was on the network. Um, I mean, you still had concerns for insider threats, right? People bringing their own devices and things like that. But the still having that perimeter really helped because... When you have devices, or when you have controls at the choke point, you can you can also manage the traffic going out. So you can stop the rogue devices on the inside that way. But with deperimeterization, you know this gave the rise to market court categories like SASE, for example, uh, and 
it's also made the the concept of zero trust far more important, right? Because people are moving around and so on and so forth, and it get, gave rise to an entire like you know mobile security field. So while this is all happening, security teams haven't gotten larger or anything like that, and you know they're just inundated with more and more complexity to to deal with. Which is, um, it's a hard thing to do, but you know the tools that we build in in our industry need to help the security teams to keep up with this, these type of changes, right? Um, and speaking specifically about asset inventory, you know, there was a time when you probably didn't need to go out into the network to look for a whole lot of things necessarily. You know, if you were a lockdown organization, you would just barcode every single laptop or server in the company, and then you're done. Okay? Or you would run like a very simple tool like Satan, and then you get a pretty good understanding of what's on the network. But nowadays, with this divergence of environments, it's just gotten a lot harder, and you need to have solutions that can deal with the multiple networks that a security team is now expected to protect. Yeah, that. That makes a lot of sense to me. And you talked about, you know, you talked about this discovery and going beyond discovery as well to identifying threats and, mm-hmm. uh, and risk. And you talked about this being, you know, in your eyes, kind of a, a foundational component of a modern security program. What do you see as like the next most important components beyond, you know, when someone has run zero in place, like what are the next components that you think help to round out a security program? Yeah. So visibility is all about telling you what you have and that's good, right? Everybody appreciates knowing what they have, but usually you find out there's so much out there. uh, You don't know where to focus, right? Uh, the second question that fo- folks often want to know the answer to is, what is the thing I need to to, to focus on? Right? What do I need to prioritize? What what do I have to go after in order to help me do my job efficiently and protect my organization? Right. So, uh, the first part is what what do I have? The second part is what is bad? What is bad? What is the bad thing that I need to go worry about? And with Run Zero, there's there's uh, three different native capabilities that we have to help with uh, exposure management. Now, I want to be clear here, like uh, RunZero is not a, a Vuln scanner in the traditional sense, right? Uh, we still expect organizations to have Vuln scanners. It's a very important, important part of your overall exposure management program. But there are other things that you can do that can really help uh, the efficiency or you know time to remediation uh, when you're leveraging additional capabilities. So uh, with Run Zero, the first capability that we have is the ability to tell you which are the assets that are potentially vulnerable to a certain ZBE. And doing this without having to rescan the network. Right? So the, the challenge often is, you know, Vuln scanners, uh, they have limited scan windows, or they have scan schedules. Or if it's a new in the wild vulnerability, the the vendor has to release a new vuln check onto that vuln scanner, and then and then the the, the following uh, vuln scan. And you know, if it's like an O-day where that that time to remediation is critical, you 
don't want to wait a week or two weeks or even three weeks before you get to work. And with Run Zero, there's the ability to use asset details. Now, remember what I mentioned earlier. We have a really deep granularity of detail. Unlike many other tools where they might, when they query a device, they might just grab like just the information that they need. With Run Zero, uh, we grab everything. Even, even if we don't need that data right now for a certain use case, we just grab everything. And so based on asset details, you can identify devices that are potentially vulnerable, right? And essentially using asset details as a proxy for that particular CVE. It's not 100% of the time correct, but uh, we have found that you can identify devices that are potentially vulnerable with a very high degree of confidence. And while you're waiting for your Vuln scanner to actually catch up, maybe the Vuln check is being delivered and so on and so forth, you can quickly generate a list of devices to go look at uh, as, as your you know, immediate day one response to an O-Day. Yeah, and this is a really interesting one to hear you bringing up because we, uh, you know, we at Fleet take almost the opposite approach. Instead of looking at the network and the control planes, we get on the devices and and look r right at what's on the devices. And we found, similarly to what you're describing, folks are not satisfied with their kind of legacy Vuln scanners. And so I love the idea of kind of coming at it from both directions, like be on the device, do continuous agent-based collection of, of inventories of what's on there and what the potential vulnerabilities are, and then also come at it from the network side, from what can we observe from outside the device, but also get beyond the kind of legacy idea of scanning and needing to have signatures and that kind of thing. Um, so to me, this is a, a very interesting complementary kind of a way to approach these problems. Yeah, and complementary is a good word because we don't uh, we don't claim to be a Vuln scanner. Vuln scanners are still important, right? They they still need to be there as part of the overall exposure management program, but there are shortcuts that can help you do your job more efficiently. the The second uh, native capability is something I think is in many ways more important, right? Because O'Day is always like make it in the news, and it's like the the trendy thing that everybody's sort of latches onto, but the, Potentially more important are those insecure configurations. Right? What I mean are like people still running Telnet for whatever reason, oh, or no. you know, or RDP running on a device that has a public IP address, right? Or you know, SSH keys being reused, or like web services that have expired certificates, and all sorts of those like really easy things that should be remediated that can dramatically approve your defensive posture, but they're not. They're just left out there because the security team didn't know about it, right? And this is not something that typically, like, you would vuln scan for, right? There's no CV associated with this. This isn't part of the NVD. This didn't occur because a vendor, you know, introduced some insecure code inadvertently. This is just because somebody made a boneheaded decision about configuration on a device, right? Um, but anyway, Run Zero has this native capability to go out and find those things for you, and 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 help you uh, help you you know kick off remediation on that. And then finally, there's a third way, which is outliers, and this is 
one of the newest things that we've introduced in like tell you what's bad on your network. All right. But first I want to um, say that when we say outlier, uh, we mean a certain attribute where there's a certain degree of homogeneity in the pool of data, right? In the pool of values, I should say. And then there's some outliers. One of the most interesting ones is uh, hardware type, right? So, you know, let's say you have a high degree of homogeneity, like lots of servers and lots of laptops, and then you have this one IP camera, or you have this one Roku box. or Like, so, you know, security programs, obviously, well, like, like with any project, you want to focus on the, the big picture first, right? And, and, you know, manage the large swaths of devices uh, on the network and have uh, provisions for those. And so uh, you're going to, you're going to be, you know, you're going to be instituting policies for getting EDR on the laptops and, and so on and so forth. But the thing is though, once that's done, like once you've taken care of the, the, the big boulders in a security program, there's still these, these oddball devices out there that haven't been looked at. And oftentimes they fall through the cracks and when when the adversary comes upon a network where they see, oh, hey, ninety nine percent of these devices are now well protected because they've they've got the proper security controls on them, where are they going to go? Right, the adversary isn't going to go, you know, do the hard work and try and attack one of these well protected devices. They're going to go look for the thing that's fallen through the cracks, and oftentimes, those are the same types of devices that are unpatched, unmanaged potentially unknown and forgotten. Yeah, this and is like the, the server that some developer just put under their desk five years ago and it's still yeah. running some service, maybe it's not even used anymore. And That's right. uh, and no one's patched it in, in quite some time. So Yeah, and I, I mentioned this as, as hardware type, but like it could also apply to services like, oh, there's this one SMB V1 service running over here what's going on and we've we've done some some quantitative analysis on our our very large database of of devices and what we've found is there's actually a very high degree of correlation uh, between outlier ranking and risk ranking like vulnerability risk ranking so you know very high chance that if something is uh, an outlier like you have one or a few of these things it has some vulnerability on it so yeah. uh, it, it's another shortcut for the security team to say aha what are the things i really need to worry about what's bad on my network give me that short list let me go prioritize that yeah and that's there's an interesting analogy for us where we often work with teams where there's say uh an organization where there's five thousand mac laptops and there's about 200 windows laptops and about 50 uh, linux laptops of all different flavors and it's like well well where are you going to find the the issues it's it's going to be often in those rarer assets where there's less management and because understandably the organization has been prioritizing the widest surface area so it's interesting to hear that that your platform sort of does uh, and analysis to find these things. And further, really interesting that, that your data confirmed that the yeah. risk is actually higher on those. 
Yeah, we weren't sure when we when we started down this path, but once once we developed the the algorithm for it, you know, we were happy to see that there was actually a high correlation. So you know, it was a it's a it was a really good feature <laughs> that we added, in my opinion. Very cool. So Huxley, I want to shift gears now to the community. And you talked about this a bit at the beginning. You know, you've been in this industry for a long time and you're excited about giving back. Um, so recently, uh, as I understand it, you became one of the organizers of B-Sides NYC. Can you talk a bit more about what your motivations were to do that and, and kind of why you're, you continue to be excited about that community work? Yeah. Um, I was definitely looking for a way to give back. And um, I think there are a few ways, right? You can teach, you can write a tool, uh, but this was a, a third way, which I, I have never really done before. Right? I, I attended conferences many times, but you know, I've never tried to like organize something. And there was an opportunity. There was an opportunity. So the besides New York City conference sort of fell off after COVID. And the the founders of the conference sort of moved on uh, onto other things, you know, uh, just overtaken by events and and by life. Um, and so there there was an opportunity, and I just thought maybe this is this is a different way, a new way that I can give back to you know, the industry that's given me so much. And frankly, I think part of it is also just you know pride as a New Yorker, like we don't. You know, where's where's the big security conference in 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 New York, right? Um, there, there are a few, there are a few, but like this is New York City. Like we we deserve to have like the 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 grand scale type of conference. Uh, related to this also is that you know some of the other conferences are a little bit more um, limited in terms of their their reach, right? Um, they're they're either you know a little bit further out from the city center or they're at smaller venues and, and things like this. Uh, we are the only one that is uh, at, at a large venue that is accessible to all levels of security. So fifteen percent of our attendees from the last one are early in career or cybersecurity students, and we charged I think fifteen fifteen dollars for for the conference right we we strive to make the conference free or very very low cost in, in order to ensure that we uh, are making it accessible to everybody that that can uh, students actually got free tickets uh, when they when they email us about it so uh, there, there's a number of reasons why you know i thought i thought uh, we needed a, yet another uh, security conference in New York City, but it, it is actually you know remarkably different from the, all the other security conferences that that we have. Yeah, and so. that's something that I've I've really appreciated about B sides conferences all over is this really cool combination of world class conferences and really accessible and really community oriented. And I think that that there's a pretty stark difference between uh, something like an RSA and a B-Sides. Very, very. The, the community-driven aspect of it, it makes it such that there are conversations that are had at these these conferences, like B-Sides or DEF CON, that you just wouldn't have at RSA, right? It also attracts um, different types of interests that you wouldn't, you wouldn't necessarily have at, at RSA. So, yeah, for sure, 100%. 
Um, and yeah. Huxley, you're you're in the middle of planning for a 2024 iteration of uh, B sides NYC. Can you tell us more about what's coming up? Yeah, so we are going to repeat uh, some of the things that we uh, learned the, that worked well from the last conference. So we're going to have one track for red team talks, one track for blue team talks. We're going to have another track for the other color talks. Uh, we will also have a workshop track. And uh, we will have more CTFs than last year. So we had we had like one and a half CTFs. <laughs> Uh, at the conference in 2023, we'll, we'll probably have like two or three this time around. And more villages than before. We, we got a late start on, on getting villages uh, at the conference, but we'll, we'll get a head start on that this year. And another interesting thing is we're one of the few B-sides that had a entrepreneur track. So this we had this in 2018. We did not have it in 2023 because I didn't want to bite off more than I could chew. Uh, but for 2024, we uh, we are going to bring back the entrepreneur track. Because, um, you know, it's New York, and there's a lot of startups, uh, cybersecurity startups in the area. So we want to make sure that that, re that community is represented as well. Cool. Yeah. And we had close to 800 check-ins in 2023. So we're shooting for about 1,000 thousand awesome. for 2024. Sounds like a huge operation. Yeah, yeah. But I think the one detail that you really want to hear, and this will be the first time that I'm uh, saying this publicly, uh, the conference will, uh, say, we plan to have the conference once again at uh, John Jay College. Uh, very, We very much appreciate the, the D4CS program at John Jay College for supporting us throughout the years on these conferences. Uh, we will be there once again uh, over an open uh, Hell's Kitchen in New York. And the conference date will be October 19th, 2024. Awesome. You heard it here first, folks. You've got, uh, I'm guessing then you've got a little while to prepare uh, for the CFPs and the sponsorships, but uh, things are yep. starting to roll for 2024. Yep. CFP should open in May, probably run through August. Uh, need to figure out the end date. We don't want to overlap with uh, summer camp too much. And sponsorship kits should be ready in February sometime. Very cool. Very cool. Well, Huxley, thank you. Thank you for doing this community stuff. I can only imagine it's a ton of work. and it's It is. Oh, it my God. It's so much work. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. My, my wife looked at me. and was like, are you crazy? <laughs> yeah. And then, it, and then it's, after the last week, she said, are you doing this again? <laughs> like, yeah. Y y yes if that's okay she's like i support you i support you but like just th think about think about it though just really think about whether or not you should be doing this again i'm like i, I think i think it actually helps so anyway she's she's been very supportive so cool well it i think it is making a difference for a lot of people and um you know it's it's really appreciated from community members like myself that people like you are stepping up to do these things so Huxley, thank you so much for coming on the show today and um, for everything that you do, both kind of in your, in your professional and your volunteer work. Uh, besides for B-Sides NYC in October, where else uh, should folks look out for you, either online or in person in 2024? 
Well, in person, um, I have not started my applications to various uh, talks around the, the country yet. But if you follow me on social media, you'll definitely know uh, if I'm coming to a, a, a conference near you uh, for a talk. So you can find me on, on LinkedIn or Twitter or Mastodon, the, the infosec.exchange instance of Mastodon. Uh, on Mastodon, I am at Huxley. On Twitter, I'm on at Huxley underscore Barbie and LinkedIn. Just look for Huxley Barbie. I'm the only Huxley Barbie you're ever going to meet. So this, that's an easy one, right? A unique and name for sure. Yeah. If you want to learn more about B-Sides New York City, it's just B-Sides New York City, uh, B-Sides NYC.org. Um, you know, you could subscribe to our mailer or, or join, join our Slack workspace to get more information or better yet, follow B-Sides NYC on social media, also on LinkedIn, Twitter, and and Macedon. And um, if, if you want to learn more about RunZero, it's R-U-N-Z-E-R-O.com. There's actually a free forever community edition of the software that does all the things that I mentioned before, API integrations, uh, unauthenticated active scanning, as well as the passive tra traffic sampling. You could download it and, you know, uh, run it in your house if, if you want, or, you know, run it at your company. And uh, it's um, no credit card required or anything. Just download it and use it. And and I've done that, and it's really cool to start to see all the data that the the platform collects. So yeah, I recommend folks check that out, and we'll drop all those links into the show notes. Uh, yeah, Huxley, I, I thank invite, you. I invite everybody to 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 connect with me on on social media. Like I love you know interacting with folks. You know I'm I'm an evangelist now after all. So let's let's you know let's have conversations. So come find me. We've got a community guy here. Huxley, thank you so much for joining the show today and wishing you a great 2024. And to all our listeners. Thank you, Zach.